Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. To get the latest updates or to watch this week's message, visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. You know, so we've been praying, we've been worshiping, we've been teaching for the past 10 weeks since we've come back to gatherings uh, under this series title that says, God, Heal Our Land. And, and, and we, we are ready for it. I think if I was going to ask, how many of you are ready for healing to break through, who would agree with that? You know what I mean? And I think, I think we're all ready for that, but I, I think I just want to go ahead and say as we begin today that what if, God, what if healing was already here? You know what I mean? What if healing has already begun? What if God was already at work? And when I say that, I think I can say it with confidence because God has always been at work on our behalf. God has always been healing and he is doing it right now. And I think sometimes we don't have to wait on it. We just have to join what's happening. And I think today we get to join a little bit about what God is already doing. So here's what I wanna do today. I wanna talk about healing. <laughs> and I wanna I declare that God still heals uh, and not only does our land need healing, not only does our world and our nation need healing, but I believe that there are many of us um, here today that probably need some form of personal healing. We need healing, uh, maybe a physical healing. We're in pain, uh, literally in pain, or maybe we need an emotional healing or even a spiritual healing. I know there's a lot of people that walk with hurt spiritually, maybe it's church hurt, or maybe it's some sort of doubt that has gripped your heart, and God wants to heal that, and he wants to do something new in you, and so I just know that today I wanna encourage our faith. I wanna, I wanna give hope uh, and strengthen our faith, and, and, and ultimately today I wanna be able to put fear and put doubt in its place and allow faith to rise up, and that's what I want today. You know what I mean? So I guess you're with me. Are you all with me today? We're going to do this today. All right, so let's get into this. I was listening to a podcast um, the other day, and it's one of my favorite podcasts. It's called Revisionist History. It's not a Christian podcast. Uh, I mean, you know, it's not a faith podcast, but I enjoy it. But at the same time, God speaks to me through it a lot. And you know what I'm talking about. And so I, the other day, I heard a story, and God really just kind of put it in my heart, uh, and I kind of got a picture of something. And it was a story about a, a painting by Vincent Van Gogh. And this painting is called Vase with Carnations. All right, it's not vase with carnations, by the way. It's vase with carnations. You get, you're, you're with me, right? You guys get this. And I, I absolutely love the name because it's brilliant because it's literally a vase with some carnations. And I love when you just name things what they are. You know, that's why I'm such a huge fan of the new team, the Washington football team. You guys know what I'm talking about? The team that renamed themselves in Washington because their name, of course, had, you know, you know, it wasn't racially insensitive, but I love the fact that there's a football team in Washington that now has the name, the Washington football team. It's brilliant. I love naming things what they are. Jesus did it, the Sermon on the Mount. It was a sermon on the Mount. Come on. So this is a vase with carnations. And the thing about this painting is it really doesn't look like a Van Gogh. Uh, it doesn't have the features. It's kind of simple for Van Gogh's standards. It's not really up to par with a lot of his work. Nonetheless, it's a Van Gogh, and so it's, it's important. And the history of this painting goes back a long ways, um, and really the last 100 years is a pretty amazing story. It's passed a lot of hands. It, it was taken from its rightful owners during World War II and Nazi invasions and Jew, Jewish persecution. And, uh, and it finally, though, ended up 
um, in the Detroit Institute of Arts. And when it got there, though, there was a dispute around the authenticity of it being a Van Gogh. And so what happened is they thought, well, if the authenticity is in, is in doubt, we need to go ahead and just, you know, it's, it's seemingly worthless without it being authenticated. So they put it in storage for a number of years, and it was almost forgotten about until an art curator came along at the Detroit Museum or Institute of the Arts and decided to get to the bottom of this. Was this a Van Gogh or was it not a Van Gogh? And through some further study and eventually finding a hidden stamp underneath a few layers of canvas, they were able to authenticate this was indeed an original work by the one and only Vincent Van Gogh. And the curator then said, well, this art essentially in one moment went from worthless to priceless. Because once the author or the creator of the work was authenticated, well, then it became so much more valuable. And so what was interesting about that to me was, I know you guys are already thinking you're one step ahead of me, like, oh, yeah, Tim, this is good. Bring it, man. You're about to say, man, without Jesus, your life is worthless. But in a moment, it's priceless when you have him. Like, when you know who your maker is, then your life is priceless. I'm like, yeah, that's a really good. Maybe I'll preach that someday. That's not what hit me, though. You're thinking, oh, it was, oh, all of our value is found in our creator. Yeah, this is good, Tim. Like, tell me about how good God, and that's a really good point too. Um, maybe next week, but that's not what hit me. What hit me was that there was a curator. Everyone say curator. You see, there was a curator who authenticated the work of the artist and put all the doubting to rest. You and me, we can be curators of the work of our Father. By definition, a curator is someone who cares for the work and is the superintendent, if you will, of several works of art. So if you're a really good curator, will you immerse yourself in the work of art almost as if the work of the artist is your own work? And then you not only care for that work, but then you testify about the work over and over again. That's the work of a curator. Are you guys with me? Are you following me? Okay, I said, so, I said, so today's gonna be about healing. God still heals. And at the center of the ministry of Jesus was this practice that Jesus did called healing, and he did it a lot. And so why was it important? Well, there's a story that kind of unfolds in John chapter 9 and 10. You can open your Bible to John 10 if you want. And there's this very important interaction between Jesus and a group of people and these Pharisees specifically. But I want you to imagine just for a moment, I want you to rewind the clock, so to speak, like you were living during the days of Jesus. And you started hearing as a normal person, you started hearing about this person named Jesus who was doing all these miraculous things including things like feeding thousands of people with a few loaves of bread, he was casting out demons, and most notably, he was healing the sick, he was healing the blind, and he was healing people who were paralyzed of all different types of situations, and he was letting them walk again. He was cleansing leprosy. He was doing all these miraculous things under the banner of healing. See, the first thing that you would think when you heard a story like that was you would think, Oh, this is real, man. You would not think, oh, I, I, immediately, I, this is true, right? You would, you would probably most likely have a lot of doubts rise in your head, wouldn't you? Like, is this a trick? Is this real? How could this happen? I don't understand. And so a lot of doubts probably 
if you were in the time of Jesus, would have been in your heart. And it, and, and it stands to reason why you can read in the story so much doubt existed. And Jesus understood that they would doubt. Jesus understood that they wouldn't totally understand right away. And even today when we talk about faith to people, we talk about Jesus to people, one of the initial reactions to God by someone who doesn't have God in their heart is, is he real? There's some doubt that fills in their heart. In John 10, we see this interaction, though, that's predicated by what happens in John chapter 9. Jesus heals a blind man, and a conversation takes place because of this special work that Jesus did. Is Jesus really who he says he is? Is he the son of God? Because if he is, and he's doing all these miraculous works, what does all this mean? Well, I want, to see, I want you to see what Jesus says to all the doubters. This is in John chapter 10, verse 37. This is what Jesus says to the doubters. This is what Jesus says to the haters, so to speak. He says, don't believe me. Isn't that kind of contrary to what we usually hear him say? He says, don't believe me unless I carry out my father's work. But if I do his work, Believe in the evidence of the miraculous works. Even if you don't believe me, you got to believe in that, right? Then you will know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. So think about this. Jesus hangs his entire ministry, his entire existence on the evidence that could be found in miraculous works, in the presence of healing. Jesus said, you may not want to believe me, but you're not going to be able to deny the works that are going to be done because you're going to see them. Jesus knew that his work would authenticate his origin and his authority. Jesus was curating the work of God in order to authenticate not only where he came from, but the authority that he had been given. See, Jesus knew where his authority came from. John 3, verse 35, he says, The Father loves the Son and has given all things. Everyone say all. He's given all things into his hand. His authority was from God, his heavenly father. He knew where his authority came from. John 17, 2, he says, he kind of, re, he backs this up. Since you have given him, meaning given Jesus, Jesus is saying that since you've given me, Jesus, authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given, he has been given all authority over flesh, meaning all humanity, all people, not only in their healing, but even in their salvation. So Jesus had a great, great purpose in healing. Part of it was to just be a sign of God's power in order to authenticate his origin and his authority, but it also was an invitation to people to step into faith over fear and doubt. He says to all you doubters, you don't have to believe me, but you're not going to be able to deny the works that I do. That's going to what's going to authenticate who I am. So quickly, let me put this, on, put this out there for you because I think it'll be helpful to you. So in case you've ever wondered, does God still heal today? And it's so confusing to me. So Jesus had a great purpose in healing. Here's three quick thoughts. Jesus' purpose in healing, all right? Healing, first of all, is a sign of God's presence, love, and power. It's a sign. You know, when you're driving down the road and you're like, okay, my destination is 100 miles ahead and it's telling you which way to go. Well, in the same way, this is a sign to say, I'm healing because I want you to know that I'm here, I'm present that I love you, this is a sign that I love you, and this is a sign of my power. So he's given us signs, right? And then the second thing, healing authenticates the work and the authority of God. It authenticates the creator. 
the artist behind the canvas, so to speak, right? Who's doing the work here? This is the proof. And then number three, healing invites people to act in faith over fear and doubt. And so healing is the invitation for you to say, I'm going to actually put aside fear and doubt, and I'm going to believe not just in, in, in theory, but I'm going to believe that God can do anything. So I wonder what would happen if the church or believers took a similar posture with the world. Don't believe us. Don't believe what we say unless you see <laughs> us carrying out our Heavenly Father's work. Could you imagine us putting our money where our mouth is in that way? Can you imagine us saying, hey, don't believe us unless you see the work of the Father at hand? What authenticates us as a group and a body of believers? What we know or what we experience? In other words, his power and his works in and through us will authenticate our authority. And our authority is just God's authority working through his sent people. Are you guys with me this morning? This is the deep end of the pool. You guys ready to swim? (laughs) See, churches who claim authority, believers who claim authority but have no testimonies of God's power should worry us. I know you heard that. But here's the thing, society tells us the, peop- the churches and the believers we should worry about are the ones who actually have a lot of testimonies of God's miraculous. Those are the people the church police come out for and say, we need to worry about them. You see, I can speak from personal experience. The only time I've ever had someone come up to me worried about the ministry I was leading is when I started testifying of the miraculous works of God. And then a lot of worry came out. When I don't testify... When I don't curate the work of God, everybody seems to be just fine with me. Hmm. So I don't know. I think we should be protecting ourselves and our children (laughs) from the Christians who are lukewarm in their faith, legalistic in their practice, and don't believe that God God wants to raise up cast out and heal, right? That's who we need to protect ourselves from. And I don't mean we, there's a fight there. I just mean I'm tired of the... The, the, the faithless leading the faithful. You see, authority shouldn't be about the most talented or the smartest, or the most knowledgeable, which is in the, in the church structure, in the world structure, that's kind of what happens, right? And that was the Pharisees. They actually wanted authority by what they knew and what they possessed and what knowledge they had, and it was never rooted And God's work being present and his power being real and love being activated in the moment. See, authority isn't ours. Authority is his. And when we get to live and partner with his authority, we get to see his power, his love, and his presence made real. So that, my friends, is what healing is. It's a work of God that he's invited us to participate in to have authority over sickness, pain, depression, cancer, anxiety, emotional distress, physical pain. He's, he's given us authority in that. But listen, it's not, it's not our authority. It's his, and it's his to do when it, what he wants when he wants. We are invited to overcome fear and doubt and to step into faith. So we are curators of his work. Think about this. What if we immersed ourselves in his work 
as if it was our own, being caretakers of his ministry and testifying continually of not only the work that he's done, but he is doing. I just need a break. <laughs> I'm just, I'm messing with you. I don't need a break. Um, <laughs> so there are 37, there are 37 miracles um, recorded in the gospel that Jesus performed. And, but there are also a lot of scriptures that say something like this in Luke chapter four. At sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness, laying his hands on each one of them, he healed them. So the, like I said, there are 37 stories of, of, of miracles in the gospels, but they don't include scriptures like this that are kind of like this, you know, overarching, there's a whole bunch of stuff that Jesus did, right? For example, John 20, 30 says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, many other signs, right, in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. He goes on to say in chapter 21, Jesus did many other things as well as if every one of them were written down, I suppose not, not even the whole world would have room for the books that would be written. And so the idea is that we are just, what we read in the scriptures of Jesus was just the tip of the iceberg of what he actually did. You know what I'm saying? Like there was so much more that he brought and that he did in his time that we are just, we are just, we're just seeing the tip of the iceberg. And my concern for myself, for you, for the body of Christ is that we actually have departed from a ministry that follows in the ways of Jesus. And instead, we've, we've stepped into adopting, uh, adopting a more comfortable faith that is more about basic Christian church practice like church attendance or general Christian moral code, which BT dubs is way watered down these days. And uh, no, Jesus didn't say all that. He said, follow in my ways the things that I do, the works of the Father that I do. Listen to this quote from Jim Cimbala in his powerful book, Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. Christy read this to me the other night. She said, or it says this, with some exceptions, we are like the church of Laodicea. In fact, we have so institutionalized Laodiceaism, I think he made that up, but I like it, that we think lukewarm is normal. Any church winning, and this is a sarcasm here, any church winning more than a few people to Christ is considered outstanding. And I, that's uh, hard, it, it's a real, it's a real, I don't feel like we're one of the exceptions, so to speak. I'm like, okay, like, I gave it in a message a couple weeks ago, maybe it was a month or so ago. We read about the Church of Laodicea, Revelation 3, and I said, you know, it's very hard to recognize that we're lukewarm when everyone's lukewarm. It's really hard to recognize that about ourselves. And in other words, I think Jim Cimbala is saying, we've normalized lukewarm. Our expectations in the church are low. We've given away our authority, so to speak. Doubts are very high, and fear is stronger than faith. And I think the very thing that Jesus used to authenticate his ministry, healing, is the very thing that the church must continue to lean into. To heal our land, to heal our lives. Does that mean that you know, everything should be about the ministry healing? Of course not. There's a lot of ministry that, that God has called us diverse, it's wide. It's, it's for people who are far from God, who, who just need, um, you know, who just need love, who just need kindness, who just need us to be people who love our neighbors, right? There's, there's all different types of ministry. But his ministry of healing was, 
something that I believe he's called us to continue. So let's use this gathering as an example. All right. We come to church like this in person or online. And what if instead of the normal expectations that you probably walk into church with, including me at times, what if instead of those normal expectations of our time together, which might at times be mediocre, or you could even say lukewarm, what if instead we had expectations that were sky high, believing that God was not only gonna do miraculous things today, but he was gonna touch people's life in a transformational way where they would never be the same? What if that was our expectations when we come together as the body of Christ? What if our expectations were, what if we handed over, for example, all authority to God for him to do whatever he wanted, for his kingdom come, his will be done? What if doubts were set aside and we actually believed all things were possible? And what if we allowed faith to lead the way instead of fear? What would happen in a gathering like this if that's the way we approached it, if that's the way we walked into the room? I heard, uh, I heard a, <laughs> I, guess, I guess I'm saying if we're here, we might as well get clean, right? We might as well get restored. We might as well get, for some of us, healed, right? So I heard a pastor say there's no, such, there's no sense in driving your car to a car wash and not getting your car washed. And I just thought that was great. That's a great line. Like, like you know, you don't, in other words, don't, don't leave the way you drove it in. You know, I mean, if you're coming to the Lord, if you're coming to church, you're coming to his, into his presence and you're coming in like a mess. God is such a good God, by the way. He loves you so much. He wants you to come to him however you, want to, you need to come to him. But if you come into him a mess, don't expect to leave in a mess. You know what I mean? Like he wants, he wants to do something in you. The expectation should be for him to do something in you. The expectation is that, hey, Lord, I know that you can and that you will. Now, his time, his will, his, all those things, I know that they're... They're question marks for us at times. But fear, worry, frustration, stress, even the need for healing is what will sometimes drive us to the Lord. I understand that. But I also know that he doesn't want us to leave in the same way. And when we go to prayer like that, which I know sometimes we do, we go to prayer and fear and worry and distress. And if we leave prayer in the same way, I, sometimes I just realize I was complaining and not praying. You know what I mean? I didn't say that, a friend of mine said that, so I don't want to take credit. It was a good one, though. You know, about a year and a half ago, a guy in our church came to me and said, hey, Tim, i got to tell you about what happened uh, last Sunday at church. And so, it, it was, like I said, about a year and a half ago, I'm like, okay, cool, yeah, tell me, I want to hear the story. And uh, he said, well, we were worshiping, and uh, actually finished the message and we went into the kind of the song at the end and he said, you invited people to come forward and pray. And I was, he said, I decided that the Lord in that moment told me that I needed to trust him with something that I had never trusted him with before. He said, and it, it was because I had had shoulder pain uh, for all these years. He said, 42 years I had had shoulder pain, which I was like, dude, I'm not even 42. Um, that's a long time. And and he's like, yeah, I got it. I got shoulder pain when I fought in a war in Zimbabwe. And I said, what? Can we talk about this a little bit more? And he said, no. But I, he said, I got in a, <laughs> I got, I, I dislocated my shoulder. And ever since then, I've had pain in it. And I was like, man, that's, 
I said, rough deal, man. And he's like, yeah, so I felt like I was supposed to trust the Lord that maybe he wanted to heal me. And so I came forward and the prayer team was actually, everyone was praying with someone. So he said, I, started, I stood there and I was waiting for someone that I could pray with. And he said, um, he said while, I was, we were, while I was standing there, the band was leading the song Chains to Be Broken. And he goes, okay, God, um, if you want to heal me, I believe you can heal me. And he said, instantly, the pain left his shoulder, and he started going, what? You know, kind of like, what just happened, right? And he starts freaking out a little bit, and he's like, he's like realizing like the pain literally left. And so he, while we're singing, gets a little startled by the moment, um, and he just leaves the room. He just le- takes off. His, his wife is still there worshiping. He's like, I'm out of here. <laughs> which I think is just awesome. And I was like, well, when did you meet up with He's like, outside. She came outside looking for me. I was outside. And I was like, wow. And he said the rest of the day, he was just like in disbelief. Like, no way, God, did you actually do this? Or is this just my mind playing tricks on me? You know, doubt, right? It wants to come in and steal stuff that God does. And, and, and so he says, he finally says, I'm just going to sleep on it. Literally. He said every night when he accidentally sleeps on that shoulder, he would wake up the next day with immense pain. And so he intentionally slept on the shoulder that night to see what would happen. And he woke up the next day, no pain. And he was like, he used to, right, right, yeah. And he used to, can only move his arm like this. And then he said, now I can move it however I want, no, no hindrances. And we, he said, me and my wife, we just fasted and prayed. And he said, I repented of my disbelief from the day before. And we just praised God all day for what God had done. I was like, dude, that is just so, so amazing, right? That is so powerful to hear testimonies of what God's work. You know, it reminds me of another story. A guy came forward after, at the end of a service. He needed prayer. And he said, hey, can you pray? I have a lot of stomach pain right now. Can you, can you pray healing? And I'm like, well, I mean, yeah, I had no idea if anything would happen. I was like, yeah, we'll pray. So we prayed, and, um, and while we're praying, he goes, hey, I got, I, I don't, I'm not feeling any pain. And I said, really? Are you sure? You know what I mean? Like, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I've got no pain. I was like, wow, well, cool, man. See you later. You know, and I was just like, this is great. We praise. And then, and then he leaves, and, uh, and, and I'm like, I, I wanted to call him the next day because I wanted to see if, like, the pain came back. But I was like, no, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. And I waited till Friday because I want to see if the healing stuck. You know what I mean? So I was like, Friday, I'm like, hey, man, so you have any pain this week? And he's like, I've had absolutely no pain. And I was like, that's amazing. So what are you going to do about this? No, he asked me. He said, I don't know what to do about this. I said, what do you mean? He said, I can't can't go back to the way I used to be. God just healed me. And I was like, that's right. You see, that's what healing does, right? It not just transforms the moment, but it transforms the person. It doesn't just take out the pain. It actually creates a new thing and a new work in the person to where you can no longer be the same because you experience the true work of God. Guess what happens? Doubt starts to move away. Fear starts to be eradicated. It's like, oh, fear will bow down in the presence of God. Chains will be broken. You know what I'm saying? And so this, I love hearing stories and testimonies of healing. I love being a part of the work that God is doing in this world. I love, if you will, being a curator of the master artist, creating all sorts of beautiful works for us to marvel at. You see, it's the evidence that authenticates God is at work and he is actually moving and that's what healing is. 
You know, we have a dozen or so stories in our church over the past couple years, and you know what? It's kind of like in the stories of the Gospels where there's 37. I kind of feel like that's just the tip of the iceberg. You know what I mean? That God has so much more. God wants to do so much more. And I know that for some of you, what this means is sometimes you're actually the God that, the person that God will use. You're the conduit. You're the curator, so to speak. You're the person that God will use to bring about healing for someone. And I don't mean like you're doing it, but you're going to get to partner with God in the work through faith-filled, courageous prayers where you believe that God can do anything. And you start to see healing in your office place, healing in your land, healing in you know, maybe even your friends and your family or even your own life. Sometimes God will use you. And sometimes you're the recipient, though. You're the recipient of his work. God brings about healing in so many different ways. Sometimes we're the ones that need the miracle, though, who need the healing. And so today, I don't know if you have a situation where you have a physical healing that you need, a spiritual healing, an emotional healing, a relational healing. I told you at the beginning today that the, the hope of today is to, is to help put fear and doubt in its place and allow faith to rise up. Now, faith isn't the only thing required in healing. There's God's sovereignty. There's so many things that go into the plan and purpose of God's healing. But I do know that God loves to heal and that healing is about his, it's about his power, it's about his love and about his presence. And, and I know I want more of that in my life. And I think he wants to give me more of that and I think he wants to give you more of that. And I, need to, I also would say this, if you're sitting here in the room and you're like, this is, this is, this is great, but, but you understand like, I love hearing testimonies too of God healed that person and that person, but I've prayed for healing and I've never got it. What's up with that? And, and I know that's difficult to understand the what's, how's, and when's of healing. None of us can guarantee when God heals or how he'll heal. But I want you to know that this today, the hope in this today is that opening our heart to faith over fear and doubt it just gives more opportunity for God to come rushing in with healing. Greater expectation for Jesus to work with the Holy Spirit to continue his work as he always does. That's what I want today to be about for you. And then for us as believers, as a church, uh, for us to experience that all God has for us. Because remember, I keep saying this now, I've said it a lot in the last few moments, but healing is about God's presence, love, and power. And I know he wants to give us more of that. So here's how we're going to close today. I'm going to invite anyone that needs healing to just allow their heart to be maybe more receptive to that than they have been in a while, maybe the first time ever. And I want to invite you into an act of faith over fear and doubt. So we want to create space for God to move. And, and so to do that, I believe it begins with prayer. This isn't going to be strange or weird. This is just to ask the Lord to do some work today. So why don't you just bow your heads? Holy Spirit, we just ask you to come. Come and move in this room. Perhaps right now you just want to invite him in your own way to say, Lord, I just invite you to come and move in my heart.
move in my mind. You may not even be thinking you need healing, but would you just, would you just still invite him to come? To say, Lord, I, I, I just want to invite you to come and move in my heart, mind, body, however you want. We open our hearts to you today, Father. We open our minds, our emotions, and even our, our body, Father, to just say, Lord, do what you want, when you want, how you want. You know, first of all, the most important healing that Jesus always was about was the healing of the individual soul. And what, I, what that always was, was Jesus offered us eternal life, salvation from a life that is separated from him, that is destined for, for death. And so in the scriptures, we learn that the most important decision that any person, any human can make is to make Jesus Lord of your life. And that moment of decision is called a salvation moment in which you have actually been saved from death to life. You've been given eternal life in him and salvation is an act of belief, confession, and surrender. It's believing that God is the creator. So if you believe that God is the creator, that's part of it. You're believing that Jesus was sent by God for us to save us. If you believe that, that's part of what salvation is. It's also confession though. It's saying, I confess my need for you. I confess that I've sinned. I confess that I need to ask for forgiveness of those sins. And then it's surrender. It's saying, Jesus, I give you my life. And so if you want, sort of the first part of the healing ministry that Jesus did was the healing of human souls. If you want that today and you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, if you're sitting here going, I need Jesus. I've never done this. I've never prayed or made a moment where I've made the choice to give him my life. It starts with this prayer and you can just whisper this where you're at. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. You can whisper that prayer right now just to the Father. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. Salvation is an act of believing, confession, surrender. So maybe just also pray this. You can just whisper this prayer. Say, God, I believe you are my creator. God, I believe you are my creator. I believe Jesus you are my savior I believe Jesus you are my savior just whisper that prayer it's an act of belief confession and surrender so now we just confess we just say Lord I confess that I've sinned and I ask for your forgiveness just pray that I confess that I've sinned and I ask for your forgiveness I confess that I've sinned and I ask for your forgiveness an act of belief, confession, and surrender. And so the final piece is we just surrender and we say what you've already prayed. Jesus, I give you my life. I surrender it to you. Jesus, I give you my life. I surrender it to you. If you just prayed that prayer and you meant it, the scriptures say that you've crossed over from death to life. Salvation has been given to you. It's a gift. God gives it to us. We can't earn it. We can't do anything to, to lose it or to keep it. He just gives it to us for those who are surrendered to him. 
Lord, I pray for any person in here that just prayed that prayer. Would you seal this moment? Would it be like a seed planted in good soil? Seal this moment, Father. With heads bowed, I just want to take a few minutes and I want to talk about the opportunity for healing today. I believe God wants to heal today and we've been, we've been praying, God, heal our land, heal our nation, heal our world, but I believe God wants to heal some of us today. And I'm just going to share a few things and then I'm going to give us an opportunity to come forward for prayer after we dismiss. But just keep your heads bowed. I believe God wants to restore some people's faith and passion in their life sort of a spiritual healing, so to speak. Perhaps you're here, but your passion has waned. And even before you came in today, you felt, you felt some shame about that. And I just believe God is saying to you today that we can start again. We can start again, we can start right now, and he wants you to draw close to him. So if that's you, if you're just like, I need spiritual healing, maybe it's just that word, spiritual healing, is standing out to you for a different reason. I want to invite you to faith over fear and doubt to allow God's presence to start working its way into your heart right now. I also believe God wants to heal some people experiencing physical pain. I believe someone in here who's been enduring physical pain in your body for years, um, just in prayer, has thought about chronic pain, maybe even headaches that you've been experiencing, and then today God wants to heal you of that. I also believe there's someone possibly in here who has been experiencing intermittent pain, on and off pain, and today you're feeling it pretty clearly. And I believe God wants to heal you of that today. And I also know that there's all types of healing that are need, needed in the room, physical healing of back pain or other types of pain um, in the body or emotional hurt or addictions that we need freedom from that God has healed many people from. So just as a way of making this simple, I, I, I want to just, I want to invite you to exercise some faith over fear. This would be step one, so to speak. If you would say, I would like some prayer for healing today, and that's a big banner I know, would you just lift your hand? Hands all over the room. Holy Spirit, come. We pray healing, God. You can do anything. We expect your power and your might and your presence and your love. We want to see your good work done, not for our sake or our glory, but 100% for yours. We pray healing in this room today, Father. Would you release it? Thank you for the courage happening in the room. I pray in the name of Jesus. Our expectations are high. We know that you can. We pray this in your name. Amen. You can look up here. Here's what I want to do. That was step one of, of faith over fear and doubt. Step two is this. If you're like, okay, I want to, I want to keep leaning into this moment. And I, I want to see if God can wants to heal me today um, we're gonna I'm just gonna we're gonna create this thing over here where I'm gonna be up here some of our prayer teams gonna be up here and we're just gonna pray for anybody that wants prayer today and and I just don't want it to feel like we're in a hurry I mean we're gonna be here as long as we need to be and we're gonna pray for people as we can and so 
if there's a lot of people that want prayer, we'll just make a line down this aisle. My expectations are high. Is that okay? And, and we're just going to pray for people one at a time, and we're going to pray um, that God would do miraculous things today. So like I said, we're not trying to run out of here. Um, but if you're like, hey, God's been good to me today. He's filled me up. He's energized me. He's strengthened me. Then, then, and you don't need prayer today. Well, I'm about to dismiss you, and you're going to get to go on and, and pray for anybody in your heart just as you're leaving. Hey, I hope that, God, you do some great work today. But I just want to, I want to say this to you. God doesn't strong arm you into healing. It's an invitation. It's an invitation into his presence, his love, and his power. And if you feel that gentle invitation right now, even if you're full of a little bit of fear or a little bit of doubt, I would just say take the invitation and see what God does. So that's what we're going to do. If you prayed a few moments ago and you gave your life to Christ today, we celebrate that. We're going to have a few other prayer team people over here. They would love to talk to you. You can also talk to people out at the information table. And they would love to talk to you as well. We'd love to know that you prayed that prayer for the first time today. Because that is ultimately the best decision that we believe any person can make. Other than that, if you're new here, we're so thankful you're here today. We hope that you've experienced God in a powerful way. We love you. We're excited about all that God's doing these days. And we hope and pray that if you need anything, you would let us know. Like again, through prayer or through just communication in some way. Again, I'll be over here, our prayer team over here, and just start moving, making your way over here in just a minute. And we're gonna pray for several people today to see healing happen in their life. Love you guys. Have a great Sunday. Grace and peace. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.